Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Book of Judges, chapter 6, beginning reading with verse 7, and we'll read through verse 16. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you. And I drave, drave them out from before you, and gave you their land, and I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak with, which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abezerite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? You ever found yourself there? If you're with me, God, if you're on my side, why, why is this happening to me? Where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I can, I can relate to Gideon here. I've been there. Poor, poor, pitiful me. What, what can you do with me, Lord? And finally, in conclusion, verse 16 and the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. I'm going to preach to us this morning uh, from this subject. It's time to draw a line. It's time to draw a line. Would you pray with me this morning, Father? I love you. I am so grateful for the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. Grateful for the word that we've heard this morning and the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost that has moved amongst us. I'm asking for the next few minutes, Lord, that you would touch our hearts, touch our minds, help us to receive what thus saith the Lord in the house today. Be with us, God. I'm asking you to strengthen me. Touch me, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him that Church is better because you're here this morning. Praise the Lord. You've, 
you've crossed the line. How, how many have heard that saying before? You've, it really means that you've crossed a boundary or it may be a boundary of acceptable behavior or it may be that you've said something that perhaps offended or violated the person's space or area. It may be that somebody has perhaps acted inappropriately to you and have crossed that line and lost your respect. I'm sure that many can relate to me this morning, but I remember as a child on the playground and we'd be playing and you might get to arguing and fussing and somebody would be picking on you. you say, don't do that again. And they'd keep on and on and you'd go get a stick and you'd draw a line and say, if you come across that line, yeah, that's it, it's on. And Brother Pope, when they cross the line, it's time to commit. You've done said what you was going to do. You can't back down. But there's a line that, uh, that are in the world. There are many lines in this world, boundaries, if you will, some invisible yet no less real. There is a line where water turns into ice. There's a line where water turns into steam. There's a line where speed catches up to sound and it penetrates the barrier called the sound barrier. There is a line between right and wrong, good and bad. There's a line between true and false. And there's a line between pure and perverse. And there's a line between spectator and participator. There is what some may refer to as the line of no return or the point of no return. I was reading an excerpt from a pilot, and I quote him this morning, every pilot knows that takeoff and landing can be the most dangerous points of any flight. Every pilot knows that there is a time during the takeoff procedure that is called the point of no return. Although there is no visible line on the runway, the pilot knows that it's there. And it's just before liftoff, at that point, the aircraft is going at such a speed that it has to reach for the sky. The plane has to be airborne, even if there is an emergency on the board. At this point, there is no turning back. You can't change your mind. You can't decide that you don't want to go. At this point, to try and abort would be certain tragedy. At this point of saying we have just passed the point of no return, a pilot will most often say to the passengers, we're committed which means the same thing in essence. We're all in this together. We've, we've come too far to turn back. Either we fly or we crash. There is no in-between. There's no middle ground. We have crossed the line. So many times there are people in the church that enjoy the church. They enjoy how the Spirit of God gives them a warm, fuzzy feeling. They want to come to church when they feel like it, and they even contribute sometimes. But there is a major difference between a contribution and a commitment. When I think about commitment, I'm reminded of a short story where there is a chicken and a pig who are walking down the road together and they come across a restaurant. Chicken looks at the pig and says, I'm hungry. And the pig agrees, I'm hungry too. And the chicken says, I'd like some ham and eggs. I'm willing to contribute. How about you? And the pig looks at the chicken and says, are you crazy? For it's just a small contribution for you, but for me, it's the whole hog. The point I'm trying to make this morning is that there are a lot of people in the church who are willing every now and then to make a contribution. But what the church needs in this hour 
in these last days is a group of people who will stand and shout and declare, I'm committed, I'm willing to go whole hog, I'm in this all the way. I've stepped to this desk this morning to remind us just that. God is calling his people to commitment. God's not looking for half-hearted, half-baked, half-in, half-out, half-up and half-down. Maybe yes and maybe no Christians. This is the time to declare ourselves. This is the time to make our calling and election sure. This is the time to draw a line and say, no more, devil. You've crossed the line and this is it. I regret to tell you this morning that this is a line that many born-again apostolics will never draw. They go to church, they sing about it, they shout, they, they'll even speak in tongues and dance about it. But the line I'm preaching about this morning is a battle line. It's a place of commitment. It's where words are not enough. It's time we put up or hush up. It's where the war is being waged. It's where you're all in. There's no turning back. You've passed that point of no return. You can't back up and we can't back down. Throughout scriptures, God has showed us men and women who drew that line. They let the safety, left the safety of the city walls behind them and they went down into the battlefields. Deborah was one of the judges of Israel that drew a line. Elijah drew the line in the sand and he said either fire would fall on this mountain or I'll die on this mountain. David drew the line in the sand when he faced the giant and he, he was either going to cut, kill Goliath that day or he was going to die in the valley that day. In our opening text, the children of God had found themselves in a mess and something had to be done. So with the help of the Lord, it would be Gideon that drew a line. While the children of Israel were hiding from the enemy in caves and dens in the mountains, Gideon was breaking through and taking what the enemy had marked for destruction. Time and time again, God had pledged himself to be the, the helper and the strength of his people. He was their rock. No enemy could resist them. It did not matter how big or how strong. With God as their rock, there was no battle that they could not be won. On the other hand, when they were in disobedience and rebellion to God and his word, even the smallest and the weakest adversary became a source of defeat and humiliation for the children of Israel. Time and time goes, and we could read uh, till the sun went down today about how Israel would forsake their rock and experience the oppression of the enemy and eventually return to God to receive help and deliverance. When God was their rock, victory was assured. The righteousness gave them boldness against their enemies, and so is it that that righteousness and holy living produces boldness in us against the enemy. Proverbs 28 and 1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. So here, here this morning we read about God's people. His chosen Israel, instead of subduing nations and tearing down strongholds, they are hiding from the enemy. And why? For some, it was because of sin in their lives, but for others, it was that the fact that they had become complacent. They had become content with where they were in their caves, in their dark dens, in those cold caverns. They were okay with just getting by. As long as I hide in this cave... The devil won't mess with me. As long as I hide in this cave, I won't have to participate in the praise and the worship 
As long as I hide in this den, I won't have to commit myself to be a part of 30 days of prayer and fasting. As long as I hide in this cave, I won't have to do what God is calling me to do. Besides, if I commit too much to the church, I might wake up the devil and him unleash all of hell on me. And that is the problem that we so often face. And I don't want you to think I'm preaching doom and gloom this morning or throwing rocks. But just like the children of Israel, sometimes we would rather back up or slack off. Sometimes we think in our own minds that it would be better to, to let up and to just sneak off and hide out somewhere till the battle's over. If we just stay quiet, we won't have to engage in this battle. But can I tell you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, as apostolic men and women, it's too late in the game. We've come too far. It's time to draw a line and declare no more. You can't have my family. You can't have my children. You can't have my salvation. You can't have my joy. We have got to fight for ourselves and for our families. We've got to fight for the souls that are lost and dying in our communities. I think that most would agree with me that over the last few months there has been a spiritual shift in this congregation. Not only from the preaching we've been hearing, but from our prayer and our worship as well. I believe that God, I believe that God has us in a season of transition because He needs to prepare us for what lies ahead. Now more than ever. Hear me, now more than ever, as a saint of this congregation, you need to stay engaged with what's going on around here. What God needs us to do, what God needs this church to do is going to take more than pastor and the first lady. What God needs us to do is going to take more than a group of ministers. What God needs us to do is going to take more than ushers and Sunday school teachers. It's going to take every last one of us to be committed to stand flat-footed and face the task that is coming. We, we are on the threshold. We are on the threshold of engaging in a spiritual battle for our lost loved ones, family, and friends. And it's going to bring a revival to this church the likes we have never seen. But it can't happen. It will not happen if we don't draw a line in the sand and commit ourselves to say, okay, devil, you've crossed the line one too many times and so now this fight is on. For seven years, Israel had gave up their rightful harvest because they were not willing to engage in the things of the Lord. They would rather hide in the caves and the caverns. And I'm sure in those caves and caverns, there would be nights that they would dream about it. They would talk about the harvest that they might could get if they would just come out. They might perhaps sing and dance in anticipation of what would come next if they were just stand their ground. Next time they would try a little bit harder to drive off the invaders. But when the time come, they were not willing to cross the line. They would stay hid out. And I feel in the Holy Ghost this morning that God wants to tell us as a congregation, it's now or never. We've got to come out of our hiding places. We've got to leave the comfort of our caves and we've got to engage in the enemy. How long will we sit back and hide while thousands of souls are lost in eternal hell? How long will we rest in our caves of self 
preservation, comfort, and convenience while our loved ones are being destroyed by the enemy of drugs, addiction, alcohol, homosexuality, and witchcraft. How long will we allow the devil to wreak havoc in our children's lives and destroy them and shake them up? It is time to draw a line in the sand and say, no more devil. I refuse to give in. How long will we allow it to happen? Will we commit ourselves to prayer and say, I will not get up for this altar until you have saved my children, Lord? A commitment. I'm talking about drawing a line of commitment this morning. The enemy is never really too concerned about our singing and our dancing and our shouting. He's not concerned about the preaching that's went on here this morning. As long as we stay hid in our caves, as long as we keep it inside these four walls, us four no more, as long as nobody gets saved or healed or delivered, and as long as no marriages are restored, as long as no broken homes are mended, as long as no one's filled with the Holy Ghost, the devil's not stirred up. But we as born-again apostolics must now more than ever stand firm and flat-footed on this doctrine in this Acts 2.38 message. The devil has convinced so many to water down the message, to sugarcoat the gospel so that they can pack their churches out and boast of how many they had on Sunday. I was traveling in my semi-Monday morning headed to Georgia moving some equipment and I was listening to a Christian radio station a talk show it was a, like a round table setting I suppose and they were talking about some things and it's kind of like pastor would say sometimes you got to take the fish and leave the bones and there was some good things that was being said and they began to take calls toward the ends from, from listeners particular lady called I, I don't know where from but the lady called and said that she had been in service that Sunday and the pastor had preached to them that it was necessary to be baptized to make heaven your home all the men or whoever they was on the panel quickly declared you need to leave that church right now because it is not necessary to be baptized to make heaven your home. The mediator, or I take it the one that was in charge, quietened everybody pretty quick, and she got everybody's attention that was listening there and on the radio. She says, I want you to quit what you're doing, and I want you to hear me. No, no, no. Three times she said this. You do not have to be baptized to make heaven your home. I reached up and I turned the radio off and I continued traveling down the road in my stomach, brother. I was sick to my stomach. Tears began to well up in my eyes and I, I thought, my God, how many people, this particular station was not only in our country, from what I understand, it's overseas. I said, how many people just heard that? and will be led astray. I was praying and asking the Lord just to help me. And in it, not in an audible voice, but the Holy Ghost spoke to me so strong. 
And he says, you see, you see, this is why I'm asking you to commit and to stand and preach this gospel. Please hear me today. If you don't hear anything I say, and if you're watching by way of the internet or YouTube, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. In John 3 and 5, Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus. And he tells him that unless a man is born of water and of spirit, he cannot be saved. Acts 2.38, Peter, the same Peter that, that Jesus gave the keys to, the same Peter that Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church, the same Peter with the 11 apostles standing with him, Proclaim, repent, and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of your sin, and ye shall be saved. Please, don't take my word for it. Don't take somebody else's word for it. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Research it, study it, pray about it, and make sure for yourself I believe what we need right now is a different breed of Christian to rise up, if you'll allow me to say that. We can't sit idly by while the devil wreaks havoc in the lives of our loved ones and in our communities and in our countries. But we've got to draw a line in the sand today. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. See, this is the point. It all comes down to this. There is no gray area. We are either on God's side or you're on the devil's side. And I know that's not popular to say, but it's the truth. Contrary to popular belief, there is no middle. You can't just say I'm not choosing sides and everything will be okay. Am I in the book? Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 30, He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. You must choose a side. There is no such thing as being neutral. You can't be in the middle. There is no gray area. There's no such place as I'm not saved, but I'm not lost. You have to be born again. And I'll tell you this morning, if you're in this house or you're listening on media, if you haven't accepted the sacrifice of Jesus' blood to cleanse your life and your sins today, if you have not been filled with His Spirit, if you have not been baptized in His precious name, I regret to tell you this morning that you're not saved. You're not born again. You will not make heaven your home. You will be lost for eternity. I know this is harsh. And I know this is sharp, and I surely don't want to offend anyone this morning, but we got a mandate upon our lives to preach the truth. The world needs to hear the truth. Almost a year ago, we sat in a doctor's office, and I watched her eyes go to the floor, and she would lift back up to ours, and tears began to well up in her eyes, and she was very uncomfortable. And I said, Doc, don't you, don't you beat around the bush with us. You tell us what we're facing. And we have an obligation to this world not to beat around the bush, not to sugarcoat. 
I'm not talking about doing it harshly. I'm talking about doing it in a spirit of love. But we have a mandate. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got a mandate on your life to share the truth of the gospel with this world. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. And it's going to be heaven or hell. You get one shot at this. One time around. There there are no do-overs. When you take your last breath and your heart strikes its last beat, that will be it. You'll never get another chance to be saved. The Holy Ghost is urging us today to draw a line. Take a stand with Jesus. To stand against darkness. To stand against sin and darkness. To come out from among them and to be separate and holy. I know that we are living in perilous, hard to navigate times and I know that it's getting harder to even see the lines anymore. Even in church, there are churches that are blurring the lines and people don't even know what to do anymore to be saved. But the Bible, the Bible is clear. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Ladies and gentlemen, as we stand across this house this evening, this morning, I admonish you. I admonish you. If you're not spreading this truth, if you've got a lost child, if you've got a lost husband or a lost wife or lost family, why wouldn't we let them know? If we love them, why wouldn't we let them know? If you've got unsaved friends or co-workers, why wouldn't we share and let them know? Brother Jerry, they don't want to hear it. I've invited them to church and they won't come. I'm going to tell you, we're going to stand before the judgment one day. And we're going to have to answer. I believe with all my heart, those that are unsaved that stand before the Lord and say they didn't know. And they turn and look and see saved people that says, I work by you every day. And you never said a word to me about this. You never let me know that I could be saved. You never let me know that there was a hell and a heaven and that I could make heaven my home. I'm going to ask you for the next few minutes as they sing us a closing song to make an altar where you stand or these altars are open. And let's ask the Lord to give us the strength and the power to commit as we have never committed before. Give us the strength and the power and the determination to spread this truth and this gospel so that this world will know who Jesus is and who the King of Kings truly is. Let's pray this morning, church. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. 
And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.